Welcome to Sky High Results Online, where I interview the best online marketers and uncover their top strategies to drive the growth of their business. I'm your host, Victoria Gibson, and I'm here to share the best advice for women entrepreneurs to boost their online marketing efforts and get results now. Now, here's your episode. Hello and welcome to Sky High Results Online with Victoria Gibson. I am absolutely thrilled to share with you one of the online marketing and coaching um, industry's pioneers and her name is Bernadette Doyle and she's had a lot of success for a lot of time with uh, some evolution. Um, She resides in Belfast and she's built several million dollar businesses and Now she's all about creating business assets rather than business income that can give you evergreen, uh, you know, evergreen um, revenue coming in and really growing a business without the ups and downs of a launch. So she's going to come in and share some um, great insights um, from her experience. Now, I accidentally just cut off the the front part of the call, but um, you only missed a couple of sentences. So please excuse the fact that she comes in um, just after I've introduced her, um, but you'll catch on just fine. And I know you're going to get a lot of nuggets out of this. She talks about uh, creating these business assets, um, as much automation in her business as possible, particularly after she had a really big wake-up call um, writing the whole sort of million dollar business that then became a bit of a struggle. So um, enjoy this. I'm sure you will. And um, yeah, take some notes as I did. This model at the time was what I now call a trade in time for money model. So I was I was selling myself and my expertise to business clients um, as a trainer, as a sales trainer. And um, there was a lot to learn and um, about how to attract corporate clients, etc., etc. Um, but luckily, um, and through sort of dedication and hard work, I did get myself to a position where um, I had a great client list, um, and I was very much in demand, and I was very much known as the expert on that topic in my country. But then I faced another problem, which was time, because I suddenly realised that there was a ceiling on my on my business because I had no more time to sell to clients and as the business was growing there were more and more other demands that I hadn't anticipated like the management of team, the running of the business and basically I was starting to feel very kind of burned out and disillusioned because this was my dream and this is what I'd always wanted and then when I actually was experiencing the reality of it I recognized this was not sustainable for my life. Mm. Um, and around that time, um, a friend of mine, um, uh, I knew about selling information products. I started to learn about that, and I did think, oh, well, this could be a way out to package my expertise into products and programs, and maybe that's a new way that I could set up new income streams. But the challenge was, at that stage of my business, I was so busy just keeping the wheels turning, there wasn't even like the brain space, never mind the time space, mm. to go off and create um, a standalone program. And around this time, a friend of mine um, let me know about someone that she knew in the U.S. Mm. Um, and this will make you laugh, Victoria, because she said, you know, this woman has this business and it's a website business and she sells reports over the Internet. And people go in and they put their credit card details <laughs> in and they get the report and that's it. <laughs> and you're laughing. It's like we're like, well, yeah, you call that an ebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no big deal. 
But I'm just trying to paint a picture of, like, mm. back then, it was a big deal. Yeah. Everyone was talking about ebooks. Mm. But something just lit up at me, and I'm like, that's a business model. Like, I could really see how it was, like, the answer to everything. And um, back then, we didn't have lead pages. There was no click funnels. There was no oh. infusion stuff. There was no no blogging, no Facebook ads. Like, it was really trying to figure out, you know, where where do I get the technology mm. to make this a reality? So, was, you know, I mean, that's one of the things, I think, about being a pioneer and everything. It's like you really are trying to figure it all out and, and you know, as you go along. But through determination <laughs> and a big um, a big dose of motivation when I found out I was expecting my first son mm. um, I knew I had to make this model work because at that time my business was going and tra traveling away from home staying overnight in hotels working from client premises and I knew I couldn't do that with a baby on board mm. so um, that really gave me the impetus, and it started out. I started out by launching an ebook called "The Emergency Action Plan for Attracting Clients Fast." Right. And great name. The first year, I, I I actually generated six figures with that ebook. Wow. And um, I thought, well, this is great, but how do I how do I take this further? And um, that was when I I started looking into I started looking to the US, and I could see that there were people there running what I call like an information empire. So they didn't just have an ebook, they had a whole sequence of products and programs mm. um, that were just different stages offering different levels of access and um, level of service to their clients and then charging accordingly. So that was the next thing is like to then start adding in higher priced products and programs um, and I did that and basically within a couple of years I was at the million dollar level wow. by having um, these sort of front end programs and then as people came in and started experiencing my work like deeper levels of experience so mm -hmm. um, that was great and I, this is like the, I guess this could be the subtext to this conversation which is you know that once you achieve something and then you realize it's shortcomings because mm -hmm. having a million dollar revenue stream or revenue business was absolutely fantastic but again, I was starting to feel um, challenged by it. So mm. I'll explain why. Excuse me. <clears throat> I got caught up in um, what I now call the sell-deliver treadmill. Right. So, and you, you and I both know mm. people who have successful on the face of it online businesses. But if you kind of look below the surface, mm. you don't have to look too far to say this is the model. Yes. Create a program. Yes. Go launch it. Yeah. <laughs> play all out. And, and and you and I both know about like the adrenaline, you know, surges that you get doing that. Mm. Great. You you make a ton of money. You've then got something you need to go and deliver. Mm. And then a couple of months down the line, you're like, oh yikes, what's just happened to all my cash flow? Okay, mm. need to go launch something else. Mm. And it's really easy for me to look back now and see that that was the cycle I was in but in the midst of it I couldn't see that mm. and so it took quite a major life event to open my eyes and what happened was I had I was running a model there at that point which was sell my program and at, inside of the program be, bring people to a live event at the live event sell a year-long program 
and that was a very successful model. Right. But it was stressful. Um, you know, I, I found the running of the events, the being on stage, mm. quite stressful. And uh, the other thing was, I thought, I live in Northern Ireland, mm. and I felt like my audience was really in the UK and specifically London. And so I had this thing in my head that I had to do my events there. Right. So um, in May 2011, yes, I had launched a program a couple of months earlier, and I had 70 people due to attend a three-day event in London and the day before I had to fly there I my boys had gone to stay with their father while I was mm. going to be in London for the week and I got word that my youngest had been hospitalized oh wow so um, when I I got to the hospital which is their father lives 250 miles away from here I drove to the hospital and when I got there the consultant said your son is really sick and in fact he's too sick to be at this hospital Mm. Um, and I said to him, is it life-threatening? And he said, yeah, potentially. Wow. So the time that I should have been on a plane flying to London to leave my three-day event, I was actually in an ambulance going up the motorway to Dublin where JJ was admitted to hospital, and he'd contracted a flesh-eating bug, oh. and he was really, really poorly. Mm. And I had a team in London that were like, well, Bernadette's the star. We've got 70 people come to hear what Bernadette has to say. And I'm kind of shocked now I look back, but I had no contingency, Victoria. Mm. Like, I had no backup plan. Like, if I'm sick, like, who will show up and do this? Because up until that point, I I would have rather died than not made it, not followed through on a commitment mm. I'd made to my clients. Mm. Yes. So it was about... I'm sat with my son, and there were lots of hours that I was able to sit by his hospital bed, and mm. just apart from focusing on his recovery, it, it really was a good opportunity to take a long, hard look at my business. Mm. And I'm like, what is going on here? Because this is supposed to be this freedom-based freedom business. Mm. This is, like, I'm supposed to be living the dream right now, because mm. I wake up to my inbox and I get to do these live events but it doesn't feel like freedom right now it actually mm. feels like a prison yeah I feel awful that I've let people down mm. and I know that I need to be here with myself mm. and as a result of that that was five years ago I made some big decisions about what I would do in business and what I wouldn't right what I wanted in my business and what I didn't and it meant making some brave decisions like shutting down what had been some very lucrative income streams but I recognized that they weren't freedom-based income streams mm. and focusing on creating what I now call business assets and I, that's how I would describe my online business now I have an online business that is asset focused as opposed to income focused right and that would be the main difference I would see between how I run my own online business and honestly how most people are running their own online business even the gurus even the people mm. that have seven-figure businesses um, you know if you look closely a lot of them it's not an asset-based business it's an income focused business yeah so can you explain the difference and and give me some examples of what you'd be building that would be more asset-based something that what what's what the yeah. difference is 
So the, the difference is really is about how you think about how money's coming in. So mm -hmm. most people, and this is how I used to do it, because I think this came from being, you know, having a sales background, mm. was every month think, how much revenue do I need to generate this month? Now, what do I need to go do to generate that revenue? Yes. When you are coming from more of an asset based, instead of thinking, what do I need to do to generate revenue this month? You're asking a different question. You're asking how can I um, focus my time on creating or acquire, acquiring assets that are going to generate income every month? Mm -hmm. So it's more of a long-term focus than a short-term focus. Excellent. I love that. So would that still, it could still, they could be still be similar kind of vehicles, but just a, a different focus in that it's going to be. And I know when we met in, um, Palm Springs, I think it was in September, we talked about this, that I was very intrigued about the fact that, you know, you're moving away from this, you know, these big sort of launches perhaps um, and having something that was more evergreen and showing people how they can create income on an evergreen basis. So is that is that aligned with your philosophy with the in creating the business assets as an evergreen business model for people? Oh. Yeah, and actually, that, so let's dig into that because yeah. it would be a good example to show mm. how it works. So back in the day when I used to be on the launch cycle, I had a program called How to Get New Clients, and it was a program that we were able to launch it and relaunch it about once a year. Mm -hmm. And every time we did it, it was at least a six-figure launch. And so the model was, you know, send emails to my list and bring people to teleseminar events and um, from the teleseminars then share some content, tell people about the program and then we had a, a bunch of emails that we would send out after um, the teleseminar and there would be a deadline for people to jump on board and, you know, we, we knew that every time we ran that we would make at least six figures. So when we were planning our income for the year, we're able to go, right, well, if we do that launch in, in that month, we know that that takes care of that amount of revenue from that launch. But if you think about it, um, there's a lot of limitations to that because it really means that you're, you're doing all of that work mm. and really you're only having the opportunity to line up with people who are ready to buy at that particular moment. Mm. Well, what about the people who come along two months earlier or mm -hmm. two months after? Mm. And so I recognize that the, the, the assets in that launch are the, the pieces that convert. So we, I had a teleseminar that enabled me to connect with my audience members and then um, get them to a point that, that they trusted me and they saw the value in what I was offering that they were willing to take out their credit cards. Now, you know, no one should undervalue or underestimate the impact of that. That's, that's a, to me, that is a true business asset. But mm. it would, if, if we sort of take it over to another business model, that would almost like be running a hotel mm. that had lovely bedrooms, but only opening for one month of the year. Mm. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, why, why, would any, why would any hotel business run on a 10% occupancy or, or a, whatever? Mm. Well, let's just say there's 10 months in a year. I hope it's not. Don't so um, I decided that. Um, sorry, what was that? Oh, no, sorry. There's a slight delay. So my apologies. Nothing. No, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> it's fine. So I decided um, 
that why not take that program and instead of it being one big launch in June, why not make that available every day of the year? And part of how this thinking came about was I'd also realized through what had happened to my son the danger of building a business based on big paydays that happened at key moments through the year. Because mm. um, I had had like a life experience that had shown me if you're working for three months to go and set up this big payday, whether it's a launch or an event, and then something unforeseen happens, which might not even be family illness, it could be the ash cloud. Mm. It could be some like, world disaster that you know has an impact around the world, like you know, heaven forbid, 9/11. Mm. But if if you're planning your business, that there are only three sort of key moments or four key moments in the year where you get paid in a big way, that's a really weak and vulnerable business model. Yes. I prefer a business model where I get paid every day. <laughs> so by this point, you know, I'd, I'd seen that new technology had come onto the marketplace that enabled um, evergreen webinars. Yes. Um, and so um, basically I took that teleseminar content that I knew converted well and I put it into a, an automated webinar, mm -hmm. and I'm and I set that up so that people could come to my website at any time. And it wasn't just that I was putting it out there; it was available for everyone. There were some hoops that people had to jump through to get access to that webinar. Mm -hmm. But if they did, then I knew. I, you know, I've got a metric for well, every person that goes to, and signs up to watch that webinar, yeah. I know how much money that they're going to be worth to my business. So again, that's why I'm calling asset-based thinking mm. versus income-based thinking. Income-based yeah. thinking is like, how much money can I make this month? But with an asset-based thinking, I'm like, okay, so that webinar generates $23 for you know every um, person that signs up. So if I want to make $23,000 from that webinar this month, I just need to make sure 1,000 people sign up for it. Mm. And so again going and setting up um, sources of traffic and and putting things in place that makes that that result inevitable. So it's not down to luck, it's not down to whether joint venture partners promoted yeah. me or sent out an email on the day, it's something that I and my team can control. And then it means that the, the revenues being generated are something that's predictable and that we can count on, that we know is going to be there, um, that, that, that it's stable and sustainable, not something that's down to luck or, you know, we had a good day at the roulette tables. Yeah, so when you made that shift, was there a drop as you, you know, drop in income and a time where you had to kind of just hold tight on, you know, tweaking this new approach and the model and how did you cope with that if so? Yeah, there was, there was a slight drop um, because the what I did was I removed the the income surges that we'd been getting around our events. Mm. Um, the first thing I did was sort of put asset number one in place, which was my webinar for um, helping people to get clients on how to become a client magnet. Mm -hmm. And the I set up um, traffic for that, which is primarily Facebook traffic. Yes. And that basically meant there was a steady flow. Mm -hmm. And 
the other thing that I did was I made sure that I had ascension in place. So um, I'll just, I'm sure you know what I mean by that, but just for any listeners that don't. Sure. Uh, You know, ascension is when people buy product number one, what do you have in place to make it easy for them to then stay with you as a client and invest in product number two, three, four? And so we did have ascension in place, but they were much smaller local events that I've carried on running, um, you know, actually all the <laughs> um, And so people come to those events, and basically 66% of people who show up to our local events will actually upgrade to a higher price program. So it's funny, because people have said to me over the last couple of years, well, Bernadette, you seem to be really under the radar. Because <laughs> I haven't been doing any big of like big no. conferences with hundreds of people in the room. Yes. But actually I don't think most people wouldn't see from the outset is actually we've we've had local events ticking along on a regular basis that are, are so easy for me to run, Victoria. Really? I literally just have to show up. So Fantastic. yeah, whereas compared to when I was running three big three day events, I you know, you have A V, you have the drapes, mm. you have the mm. conference, you have you know, the all team. And I've done events where I've dropped my kids off to school in the morning, drove mm-hmm. over to the hotel, wherever mm-hmm. we're doing the conference, gone and collected my kids when they finished school and brought them back to the conference. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fantastic. And I'm like, wow. It's a bit and different. Still, you know, have <laughs> some... Yeah. Yeah. So when you sorry, anyway, yeah. the delay is kind of cut. It sorry, it's cutting you off. But um, I wanted to ask. So the size of obviously you were doing larger scale events with all the you know the hoo ha that goes around that and the pomp and the ceremony and all the organisation and like you said, AV and the the cost right that goes along with that. So now what what kind of number are you doing? Nice small intimate workshop style events. Tell me how many people are coming. Is it a one day versus a three day? What's you know, what's the format that's working for you now? Yeah, so um, another change that I made um, when I was looking at this business is um, I started thinking about how I really wanted to serve my clients in the highest possible way. And the limitation with my old business model is that I was selling in information. But the truth is what people really need is transformation. And to me, that comes from implementation. Mm-hmm. So I set up my events, so they are um, implementation events. So the local events we run is called the Sales Breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And basically what we do is when people sign up for it, we, we I, they get access to online video training of me teaching how to have a sales conversation. Mm-hmm. And then I also teach them simple lead generation techniques that they can get to book those sales conversations. So when they show up to my event, I am not stood at the front of the room, you know, giving them more information. What they do out the room in the room is they they're on the phone speaking to clients, right? And or prospective clients. We, me and my team are there on hand coaching them, and it's just extraordinary because basically people come to that event and they leave with with money in the bank, with mm. you know, money has come through PayPal. Or you know, credit cards collected and paying clients and customers because we're in the room coaching them on how to handle it when a client says that sounds great, but I don't think I can afford it, or you know, I want to think yeah. about it, or I need to go and speak to my spouse. 
So the, it, it actually reworking the business model means that I'm actually serving my clients at a way higher level than I was doing previously. Mm. Yes, because they're actually walking away with the results. So do they come, so they do the pre-work, they come to the event for a day then with you or they still spend a few days with you? It's three days. Oh, three days, great. So um, we, have, yeah, we have everyone arrive about, we do a session at like on, on the first evening Mm-hmm. to get everybody because people come in and I mean they're quite nervous even experienced salespeople feel quite nervous that they're mm-hmm. going to be like exposed or found one thing which that's <laughs> not our style at all it's not about it's about helping people to go to the next level because as I say to my clients anyone if anything you want but don't yet have mm-hmm. it's because you're stopping yourself mm-hmm. and what what this sales breakthrough event is it enables them and us to see clearly the point where they're stopping themselves mm. and then we can hope ho- we can coach them on making a better decision and I say to my clients at that event you can come and not sell a single thing I'm not I'm not attached to you making sales at this event what I'm um, interested in is having you change your behavior because once you change your behavior then the results are going to change the re- mm. as well Right. So that's what we really focus on. Great. So you mentioned you were taking them through an Ascension model. So you've got your automated webinar or perhaps, you you know, your free, do you have some other free list building opportunities before the webinar? They get the access to the auto webinar. They get invited to one of these, you know, real transformational events and the live events where you're on hand and your team's on hand to really get them results over those three days. Then you have another offer at the event. Yeah, and so we find that like 66% of people who show up to that event will um, upgrade to our higher level programs and it's the it's the easiest selling we've ever done. Wow. And the other thing that we've noticed, which is interesting, is that people who come um, through the, that model actually tend to get better results in our program as well compared to people that are sold in through just a phone call. Mm. And I think it's... When they come to the live event and they recognize, look, part of this is you're going to need to pick up the phone and sell. And sell. <laughs> um, you know, and actually, it's like that, that's not the only business model I teach people. I've got, and in fact, I'll, I'll explain about a more advanced one that I've got in a second if you're interested. Right, yeah, absolutely. But I think it's the first one for someone to master because you, I, know, I have clients that are doing six figures as a result of spending one day a week on the phone Mm. and then what they're selling on the phone is what I call a leveraged scalable group program Mm. so you know when they get a client it's not like oh I've got a client now I've got to go and do a whole load of work every client they get it's no extra work because they have the, the, the program is structured in such a way that their client can go into the program experience value get the transformation get the results um but you know like the the fulfillment time is minimal like my fulfillment mm. time on my programs now is one to two hours a week wow fantastic and that's on live call is that your live call participation yeah, yeah. great amazing so hang on i'm just oh, oh, sorry i thought i was about to sneeze then <laughs> um so so you're you're yeah you're showing them an easier way that just You know, because often this is what, and I'd love to find your take on this actually, because I find this with my clients. Um, And to be honest, I sell in a um, 
in a non-launch way as well. And I, you know, I've shared with you before about my business model, but I have people in a leveraged um, program and, you know, am able to take on people in an evergreen way, which definitely works for me as well. But one of the things I do find um, is that that real um, resistance. You know, you mentioned that the only reason people don't have what they they want or they need or desire is that they're stopping themselves. What's some, and I sort of see this manifest and I'm sure in your vast experience, you've seen it a hundred times over. I see it manifest that, um, you know, people are complaining about not having clients, but there's almost like this invisible block and resistance to them wanting more because they've either been in a cycle of over delivery or they've been um, selecting the wrong kind of clients do you see that happening or what's your best advice for someone who's sort of stuck in that, uh, you know, that cycle, that cycle of resistance to selling more? So um, I kind of would dig a bit deeper um, mm. because I think, what's, I think what's really going on there is that it's probably their beliefs and mm. it's their beliefs about how they have to earn money. So a lot of us, myself included, mm. um, I had a belief about hard work mm. that you know I had a um, about having to work hard to make money and I remember when I started to shift my business models so that I was getting paid not just for my time not even from the value that I was bringing the t to my time but just for the value that I was contributing to the marketplace full stop like time mm. was irrelevant mm. like, I brought up all this stuff for me like um, you know, can I? Can it really be this easy? Like, I, I felt like I was somehow dishonouring my ancestors mm. who had been their time and their labour, and that that sounds weird, but like it was there. It was something that I had to work through. So, um, I think that one of the reasons that resistance comes up is because there there are other beliefs under the surface, and the, the common ones that I see are, um, I don't deserve, I'm not worthy, mm -hmm. or I'm not good enough. Mm. But those are the ones that pop up time and time and time again. Yes, and I've co-coached a lot with um, Denise Duffield-Thomas, who we were speaking about the other day, and, uh, you know, it's amazing how much uh, a lot of what she teaches around that side, you know, around the, those beliefs, especially about having to work hard to earn money and um, that, yeah, you're going to be um, disliked or not, you know, not accepted by family and friends if you earn a lot more money than them, that can definitely keep people so so small and um, not really chasing, you know, chasing the goals that they, they had in their head. And there's it's like this invisible force field that just stops them. So being able to do work around that, I absolutely agree, is essential. Um, so interesting. How did you overcome that? Was it just taking action? So when, when that was coming up for you, that you were, wow, you were kind of like, wow, this is a really easy way to make money it mustn't be right how did you how did you address that was it just taking action and moving forward and getting used to it or was there specific yeah. things that you did yeah there is a specific thing I do so um uh, Marion Williamson says we can't think our way into a different way of acting but we can act our way into a different way of thinking mm, right. so I think it's really important to take action so when because you can sit and have a great idea for, let's say, you know, I've sparked an idea for someone during this conversation yes. that, that, that's, right, okay, I'm going to do an automated webinar. So, you know, there's, um, 
Stephen Pressfield's um, book, by the way, Do the Work, mm. is really brilliant. Great book. Coaching people through resistance. Mm -hmm. And one of his things is, we'll begin before you're ready. So the, the most important thing is to get started. And know that as you get started, stuff is going to come up along the way. Mm. And so you, you have an attitude before you even start that what comes up along the way is not going to be an obstacle, is not going to be the end of this project, it's actually going to be just one more thing for you to work through. So it's almost like, imagine that you're setting off on this, this game or this adventure, and part of this game as adventure is that there are going to be some hidden obstacles, some unforeseen stuff, but the challenge with this is, is how you handle it and work through it each time. Mm. And basically, when I find myself going into, like, the, the the big one for me has been, um, I'm not worthy, I don't deserve. Mm. Um, yeah. It also comes, by the way, from a belief in scarcity, because it's somehow, it's like if, if I succeed, somehow I'm diminishing or taking from others around me, mm. which isn't the truth, but no. that's you know, how our ego sets it up. Mm -hmm. So when I find myself going into that, I, I, I make a conscious choice. Like, what am I choosing right now? Am I choosing to go back into this old story? Because stopping at this point would be aligning with that story and going, aha, that's the truth. Mm. Or am I choosing to go beyond the story? What is it? And the thing that always, always helps me the most is I know that I've been put on this planet, as I believe we all have, with a unique set of skills, talents, expertise, a, a message, something that I have to contribute. Mm. And at that moment, when sometimes, quite frankly, I'm on my knees with snot running down my face. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't have what I need to do this. Yes. I've, I've just trained myself to go, what am I choosing right now? Mm. Because I, I can choose to make the clients that I'm here to serve more important than this. Mm. And when I think about the clients and I think about there are people that I'll never even get to meet in person that I know are impacted by the work I do here. Mm. So what am I going to Am I going to choose more snot, more wailing <laughs> and crying and stopping, or am I going to choose, you know, making them more important? And so that works for me every time. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's, that, that, that's a great way to see it. And, look, I'm sure, you know, the journey <laughs> – the journey of an entrepreneur is definitely checkered with, you know, some of those days where you do just feel like it's insurmount, insurmountable and who are you to ask for these things? But to keep moving forward is, is and seeing, yeah, doing it for others rather than thinking, you know, about yourself I think is, is super important. And also having, having a mentor or someone to guide you in those times where, you know, you want to go in one of those downward spirals, having a very solid strategy and obviously you're sharing that with your your um trusted tribe or your tribe who are trusting you and I think having that because not many mere mortals are going to understand that journey <laughs> as well as you and I can in talking about it now and, and and our listeners on the call I'm sure yeah and um I mean if we've got time there's one yeah, other thing do. that yes, really help please. I'd love to I've been speaking to to my clients about recently which is um you know, because I run coaching programs, and you know, we're talking about kind of the roller coaster that goes through mm. the roller coaster of emotions, the highs, the lows. And one of the things that I'm really keen to teach my clients is sort of like 
getting accurate feedback. Mm. So this is where, like, really looking at your numbers but without emotion becomes really important because I've had people say, oh, well, my lead generation funnel isn't working and, and I'm no one's signing up. And it's all kind of generalized language. And I'm like, well, come on, let's just dig deeper and let's just look at, like, let's look numbers more closely. Mm. And I call it kind of like, it's like having a wonky dashboard. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. if, if, your, if your dashboard for your business is based on your emotions, it would be like driving a car that is flashing, empty petrol, panic, pull over, you know, tire pressure, wrong. Like, imagine having, driving a car that had a dashboard that almost like was issuing warning lights every five minutes. Mm. You know, you, that would be hell, trying to drive a car like that. But, but we drive cars that we're able to see the total picture. So we can see not just no petrol or low petrol, we can see relatively how much petrol there is in it, you know, in relation to a full tank. Mm. We can see our speed. We can see, we're getting feedback on the, the tire pressure, the various things in the car. So you're getting a whole picture. And I, and I, where I see people experiencing a lot of pain is because they're, they're letting their emotions be their guidance for what's actually going on in their business. Mm. And I think business success, business success when it comes down to it is so, so, so simple. It's about doing stuff, then mm. noticing what's working and doubling down on that and noticing what's not working and eliminating that. Mm. That's so true. <laughs> but why don't people do that? Because the skill to learn is to be able to discern what is working versus what isn't working. So I, I can give you an example of this. Mm. We... we one of the methods, we have a program which is an evergreen program and it's it's a continuity program which you know nice, brings nice recurring income, It's people pay a membership every month. Mm. One of the ways that we bring people into that program is we offer a $1 trial mm -hmm. and um, we did a $1 trial and it was you know a cute little campaign we did, it was based around my birthday and made a video of me holding out a cupcake, all the rest of it. And then the, the month we ran that campaign, I looked at the numbers and we had 55 people signed up. And after the trial period, about half of them stayed, which right. it, that's par for the course. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't phased or it didn't, you know, those numbers I'm like, yeah, you know, that's, that's pretty good. And yeah. that's because I'm mastermind with other people doing this and I knew the numbers were fine. Yes. But the overall, yes. the numbers at that moment weren't really exciting to me to make me say, well, okay, we should, we need to do that every month. Mm. At the end of the year, I look back on those numbers and I realized every single one of those 55 um, trials, those 55 $1 trials, had generated $9,350 in revenue for that program. Wow. So something that I'd looked at at the time and thought, that's not really been a big earner actually was an income stream just from that one promotion. It was just a series of three emails. Wow. But if you think about that, if you, if, when you notice the stuff like that that's really working in your business, mm. what would have happened if I'd have said, well, that, that program, we should run that every month. Twelve times that, that's now $112,200 in revenue. Mm. So that's a six and a, 
and what that doesn't include, by the way, is that two of those 55 people ended up joining my $10,000 program. Yes. So those three emails that at the time, I wasn't like disappointed by it, but equally I wasn't going, wow, this is amazing, we need to do it. Mm. In, in that short-sighted view, each email looked like it had generated, what, $1,000. Yes. But when I actually looked at it properly, it was a $30,000 it was a $30,000 campaign. Right, yeah. It's so easy to get caught up in that, isn't it, where you see something initially or people um, will say to me, particularly with Facebook traffic, it's like, well, I'm paying, um, you know, a dollar ten a click, so I just turned it off. And it's like, well, we don't know. That's just on the surface, right? The, the, the cost that you're paying per click may seem high, but if it's, it's, if it's leading to a $10,000 sale, it's a, it's a drop in the ocean. So... I, I, I totally get what you're saying there about just looking at it in, in its entirety or digging deeper and really seeing the long-term value and knowing your metrics because if you don't know your metrics, you're not going to see that deeply, are you? Not at all. And, and that really circles back to you, you started by asking me about you know mm. running an asset-based business versus an income-based business. And when you're focused on assets, the metric to look at is ROI, return on investment. So... Mm what that asset you know that you know let's say an automated webinar what is that generating in terms of revenue not just at the front end but then what are those customers worth in terms of the people that go on to buy higher price products and programs and when you're really looking at that you make different decisions um, but when you're always chasing the income and you're looking for the big paydays and the big money it blinds you to these little gems that you actually have and everybody listening to this podcast has an equivalent in their business something that is working really really well but probably not dramatic or noticeable enough for you to recognize it but if you were to just take that and isolate that and then scale that business you could be making a, a lot more money with a lot less effort and struggle yeah, such great advice. I absolutely um, <laughs> resonate wholeheartedly with it and I know there's a lot of people that would. So if there are some people listening on today's podcast, because I know we need, we need to wrap up, um, but, what, yeah, how can, how can they experience more of you and, and uncover more of this approach to creating an asset-based business and, and really being in it for evergreen income in the long haul? What would, where, where can we direct them? Well, um, two ways. You can come to BernadetteDoyle.com mm -hmm. and just come up, come and check out my my site, the programs we have there. Mm -hmm. I would also say um, come to my uh, Facebook page, which is Bernadette Doyle colon client magnets. Mm -hmm. And um, every Friday um, over the summer, I'm doing um, on Facebook Live. I'm doing what I call Freedom Fridays. And so in those um, live casts, I'm going to be talking about the sorts of things that we've been talking about today. Love um, it. And hopefully, hopefully giving people a really new way of thinking about how they are operating in business, the model that they're using, and whether they're really putting their time and energy into the things that can really make a difference and give them that freedom that they crave, or whether they're just putting their energy into something that's just creating more work for themselves. 
Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing all those gems. There were so many in there. I've been hurriedly writing notes for the show, show notes <laughs> while I take it in as well because um, I knew you'd have such such amazing things to share and I'm so grateful um, that you were able to come on and, and let us know, yeah, a, a, a different way of looking at things and, and stop getting caught up on that treadmill and, and, the, and that, you know, the ups and downs of the launch because I'm seeing now that it's all trickled down, I mean, you're, you are a true pioneer, <laughs> not to, you know, make you sound ancient or anything, but you've been around for a long time and um, now, you know, they, they, even in the um, six years I've been doing it, you know, I've seen the explosion of it and seeing so many people taking on board these launch strategies and they're all just, you know, falling in a heap at the end of it and, and a complete and utter yeah. emotional mess. And that's that's the part that I can't stand either, particularly when, we talk about a freedom-based business and then, you know, you, you, you're trapped to this whole launch juggernaut that, that's totally um, done you in at the end of it. So, you know, I don't think any amount of money is worth that. So it's great to see another um, alternative. So thank you for sharing it and I hope that um, people will definitely come along um, and have a look at your uh, your Friday live cast as well. I, I'm definitely going to pop along to those and at BernadetteDoyle.com. But thanks for joining us and, um, yeah, good luck with it all. Thank you. I really um, enjoyed having the chance to stand on my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dedicated to bring the best marketers to you right here on Sky High Results Online. If you're a woman looking to rapidly grow your business, with powerful online marketing campaigns and the support of a brilliant group of like-minded entrepreneurial women, head on over to victoriagibson.com.